0: This week is the art site of Rameer Dan Plotsky, the famous author of the Klichem Dan other Rameer Dan was born in Poland in a city called Kutna at approximately in the year eighteen sixty six or eighteen sixty seven, and he was nifter in nineteen twenty eight on the beginning of Nissan. The Birth of his, uh, his birth was into a Hasidic family. His grandfather and his father were Rabbanim. And he was a sickly child. At a certain point, when he was a child, they uh, were not convinced that he would survive. They davened for him. When he recovered, they saw in him potential for greatness in Torah. And legend has it that his grandfather came to him when Remeir Dan was yet a young boy, and actually was mashbia him, made him take a Shvua, that he would go up to be a Tamid Chacham and write down his Chidushim. According to the story, the grandfather died on that day that he was mashbia Remeir Dan. He learned in the yeshivas, in the Polish type of yeshivas at that time, he went to a city called Kalish where he learned in the yeshiva of the famous author of the Nefesh Chaya. From there, as he grew up, he went to learn by the Avni Nezer. The Avni Nezer, the Sochet the author of the Eglay Tal, the, the uh, Avni Nezer, was known, the son-in-law of the Rabbi, Rabbi of Kotsk, the Rebbe of Kotsk. he was known to have a specific type of a, a derech, the Sochet derech, which uh, we would call some sort of a Polisher uh, derech and learning. Ramey Dan was uh, obviously well known as a young Tamit Chacham, and he was very sought after in Shiduchim. He was married young, as is the custom in those days. He got married approximately at the age of 15. At the age of 25, he became a rav of a small town, and he was a... a free from many responsibilities as it was a small town and in that town he began to write Chidushim as we see in his Chidushim a lot of what he has written was based on correspondence that he wrote with Gadolim all over the world a very interesting type of lamda shepilpil that he carried on with many many people when he was uh, as his fame spread He was approached by other communities. One community in particular that approached him promised him that his uh, financial situation would increase tremendously if he would move to that community. The um, town in which he lived was apparently rather financially scrapped and didn't do very well. And he himself, uh, in his personal life, was not managing that well. He had certain personal tragedies as well. But this community offered him a munificent salary, and said that his financial situation would be greatly improved. He turned it down, and he quoted the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, that said, if people would give me a tremendous fortune, I would not leave a Makam Torah to go to a place where, which is not a Makam Torah. But it was very obvious that he thought highly of the community in which he sta- was, But why was he automatically so convinced that the other town was not a Makam Torah? His response was, if they came to me and suggested talking about money, and that was what they offered me, that was the way they tried to convince me to come to their community, that's a sign that it's not a Makam Torah. So he stayed in his town, but in the year Tafresh Ayin Bey's, he went to Eretz Israel for a trip, and at that, that time he met Gdolim Eretz Israel and spoke and learning to them, and that trip made a big impression both upon him and the people whom he met. When he came back to Poland in Tafresh Ayin Hay, he, he became the Rav of Ostrov. Apparently, he felt that Ostrov was a Makam Taira. The other cities that had offered him uh, to positions he had turned down because he felt they weren't really a Makam Taira. I guess if he took the job in Ostrov he was somehow convinced that that was more of a Markham In Tafresh Pebez, we know that he was very active in communal organizations. He became one of the leaders of the Aguda. In fact, he became the head of the Aguda sarabanim That was a very prestigious position to take at that time. With all the Rabanim in, in Poland, he was chosen to be the Yoshev Rosh of the Aguda, the chairman of the Aguda sarabanim one of the interesting biographical notes of Remer Dan is that he went, to a, he went on a trip, presumably to raise money for his yeshivas, for his, uh, the people in Poland, and he went on a trip to England and to the United States. The uh, history of the trip to the United States is documented in books about the history of the United States in the early part of the 20th century, my father-in-law, Rabbi David Teigman, used to tell me how he remembered going with his father, who was a Geruch Hasid. They went to the port to greet Rabbi Meir Dan when he arrived in America, and how they took him to the hotel in America, and how they made sure he had kosher food. And the trip to America of Rabbi Meir Dan made a, a very big impression upon my father-in-law, and he described it many, many times about... What it was like to hear Shiyom from Rabmeir Dan in America. As I said, he passed away in 1928, and he had his Levaya was held, of course, in Poland, and the main masbid was Rabmeir Shapiro, the famous Rav of Lublin, the Russian Shiva of Lublin, the founder of the Dafyomi, spoke about Rabmeir Dan Platsky. Now, Rav R- Meir Shapiro was interesting himself because he was one hand a Rosh Hashiva and the other hand a, a real Hasidic Shiyid. The Rav Meir Don Platsky, although he was brought up in a Hasidic world, is known primarily for his Svarim, primarily for his lamdas, and not uh, for so much in terms of his Hasidic background. Rav Meir Shapiro said that when a Rebbe dies, when it, the levaya. That a Rebbe dies, we know that another Rebbe will be chosen. You always can replace a Rebbe one way or another. But when a Gaon dies, then it's a different situation. You need Gaonim to replace him. Me, Tenlano Tomoroso, as Reb Meir Shapiro said, who will give us someone like Reb Meir Shapiro, like Reb Meir Don Platsky? As I mentioned before, the famous firm which he wrote include a sefer on the Yerushalmi and Kachim. The Yerushalmi and Kachim, which was proven conclusively that it was based on a forgery, had fooled certain rabbanim. Other rabbanim were not taken in at all. They say about the Raghachav that he received the this Yerushalmi one day. And in the letter he wrote, the next morning he said, I mailed it back at the post office because I realized something is wrong with it. And I didn't want to keep it something in my house that I felt something was wrong. I didn't want to keep it at all. And therefore, he sent it back immediately. Other people took longer and and worked on it to show that it was really a plagiarized version of something else. It was a forgery. Rabbeir Dan wrote a Sefer called Shalosh Sha'alush, sha'alush Lom Yushalayim about this Yerushalm of Kajim. He wrote another Sefer called Chemdas Yisrael, which is a long extended Perush. And chidushim on sefer ha-mitzvos. He discusses the different mitzvahs of the Torah, but in a very typical Polisher uh, pilpilistic style. He's Sefer, perhaps, that he's most known for is the Klichemda on chumash. The Klichemda is a sefer on every parsha, but instead of drashos on the parsha, instead of agadic work in the parsha, he deals with halachic issues of every parsha, and in the style that reminiscent of the Sachachaver reminiscent of a certain type of Polish Derech, He has a, a an interesting pull on, on every parsha. A, a number of them, as I said before, were written as correspondence between him and other gedolim in Poland. I just wondered, I assume that uh, bibliographers will know this better, but I assume that the fact that the sparmer called Kli Chemda, and Chemdas Yisrael, Two svarim have the word Chemda in it, maybe referring to the initials, Chemda would be Chidusheh Mayordan. the Chidushim of himself, which he per- perhaps wanted to hint at in the title. The greatest uh, kavod that you can do to a Niftar is to mention some of the Chidushim that he said. The amount of Torah, the amount of Chidushim that's found in Klichemda and and. And the Chemdas Israel are so wide and so vast on every topic in shas that I chose to take something from this week's parsha, which is almost typical of a type of approach. A, a student of his had written to him in Parshas Tazria, and he said that according to the Yerushalmi, that we learn the source of Mila from our week's parsha from Tazria. The Torah says Ubayom Yimal Basar Olaso. So, in the Bavli, we learn the source of Mila because it says, Vayom Avram as Yitzhak Baruch Hu commanded Avram. And we learn from here that all fathers are commanded. But according to the Roshalmi, we learn from the Pasuk Ubayom Hashmini Yimol B'Shar in today's Pasha. And the question is obvious. It says, Yimol B'Shar He should do it. But who should do it? Why does anybody think the Chiyov is more on the Father than anybody else? The student who suggested the question to Rab Meir Dan wrote that since there's a halacha, that when there's a definite case of mila or vaday, then you have a bris on Shabbos. But the Hushami learns the low but if there's a suffix, if you have to have the bris, then you don't have it on Shabbos. And he points out, but in a suffolk you would do it on a weekday why would you be allowed to do a suffolk bris? Isn't the suffolk bris, on one hand, a suffolk mitzvah? On the other hand, it's chavala. It's to, to create a wound. Now, why are you in, in general allowed to have a bris? The answer is because it's a mitzvah. But if it's a suffolk mitzvah, then how are you allowed to do chavalah? So he said, you see, that since the Rambam and Hilchoshuva Shuvah, Vov Vav, says that children below the age of 13 somehow are under the dominion of their father, therefore the father would be allowed to do a Chavala. So we must say, there's a Chiv on the father, and therefore you can do a Suffolk mila. Ramey Dan dealt with the question and began to discuss really if you can be mal in the case of of a Suffolk. And he discussed the idea of the tzitzim ma'akvim ma'akev mila there are a certain a certain procedure that is done in one fell swoop when you do the mila you do the the mila and it, there are what is called tzitzim which are not ma'akev but if you continue doing it you finish that as well but the Ramam says that you do not go back to once you did the bris, since this second procedure is not maakev, it's not a, it's not doesn't prohibit the mila from being a valid mila. You don't go back. It's known that other rishonim think you do go back for that sitzim, but you do not do that on Shabbos because it's not necessary. So on Shabbos you don't do it, but during the week, on a regular weekday you would do it. The argument of a Meir Dan then is that according to the Rambam, you don't do it on the weekday at all because it's Chavalah. The father is allowed to be mal his child because it's a mitzvah. But during the week, even during the week, when there's no problem of Chil Shabbos, why shouldn't you go back for Tzitzim, Shemach of Mishamila? And he says it, because it must be because of Chavalah. Then he goes on to discuss really, that there is a problem in learning the source of Mila from Avram. That's before the Torah was given. In general, we know the Rambam in the introduction to Perak uh, Gid in his Perush is the Rambam says, we don't do mitzvahs because of what we were told before Matan Torah. We do mitzvahs after Matan Torah. So how do we know that a father has the malice child? So it must be the Pasuk in Tazriah. So that's how we see the Ushalmi rejected the Limud from Avraham Avinu assumably because he thought you can't learn from something that came before Matan Torah. But then of course the question would be, what the student originally asked, how can you learn from here that the father is obligated? So again in a type of Polish people Rabbi Meir Adan answered brilliantly. He said, in general, why? how can you be Malon on Shabbos? Why don't you say that it's uh, us to do Mila on Shabbos? And of course, we learn from our Pasek, from our Parsha, bayamashmini HaShmini, Yom So he said, because it's a mitzvah to do it. But according to the Shittos, that a guy could do Mila, many people hold that a Goy is kasher mila It's a whole Gemara that Akum is kasher mila If that's true, so why should a Jew do the bris? Why wouldn't we tell a to tell to do the bris? So he said, you see from here that if the guy does it, the father doesn't fulfill the mitzvah. It's true that the child will be Nemo, but the father won't fulfill the mitzvah. That is the only reason why a father is allowed to do the bris on Shabbos. If there had been no mitzvah in the father, then he wouldn't have been allowed to do it on Shabbos. Since it says, Since we learned that the eighth day you can do bris milah, it follows there's somebody who's specifically obligated. Obviously, there's a lot more to discuss, the pros and the cons, to say, is this true only if the father does the bris himself? If the father appoints someone else to do it, would it say, But I just thought that it would be appropriate in this week of Parshas Tazriyat to, to discuss one of the topics that Reb Ne'er Dan spoke in Klei Chemda, this is a sefer that's chock-filled with all kinds of uh, interesting observations about mitzvahs of, of the parsha, And as it says site this week, it was fitting to say something that he learned on Parshas Tazriyat.